and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. We really do have the incredible honor today to, to come around people who have a gift from God. And, uh, and I just think, man, what better way as a family to just go crazy and engage in these moments and help pull those gifts out of them. And so we have seven incredible young speakers and uh, they're going to do an amazing job. So can we just do something real quick? Let's pray over them together. Come on, close your eyes, God, in Jesus name. We ask you today, Lord, that the gift of God would be stirred up within these young communicators. Lord, that you would draw upon the investment you've made in them and that you would bless your people through the words that they bring today. They have heard from you. Let them be confident they have heard from God today and what they have to say matters for this community. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, put your hands together. Give it up for Chris. Come on, Chris. All right. So when they told me it was Young Communicators Weekend, I thought, I don't really fit that bill, but I'm younger than Chad, and that's all that matters. So. <laughs> and uh, it's very hard. We're, I think we're all speaking on Proverbs. To me, it was very hard to find a message that was short enough to speak in a few minutes in Proverbs. And uh, so I was looking for a few things, and my friend Anthony's like, why don't you do Proverbs 31? And I said, I don't think I'll make it off the stage. So <laughs> So instead of that, I'm doing Proverbs 24, 15 through 16. And uh, let's just read that really quick. So uh, I'm going to read it in a few different versions as well, and and you'll see why. Uh, So wicked man, or wicked man, don't set an ambush at the camp of a righteous man. Don't destroy his dwelling. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he will get up but the wicked man will stumble into ruin. So there, uh, in the 1950s, there was this, uh, I don't know if you'd call it an experiment or I don't, I don't know what you'd call it. It was a study done on mice. And what they would do, they nicknamed it the Hope Study. And what they would do is they would put these mice in a fish tank. Which is, oh, that's odd already. But anyways, they would put some water in it and they would see how long, <coughs> excuse me, how long the mice could swim or tread water for. Generally, they would last around 15 minutes and they would give up. So what they did was um, at the 15-minute mark, they, before, just before the mice gave up, they would pull them out, dry them off, and then um, let them rest a few minutes and then put them back in. Now, my first thought was these mice will probably last a couple more minutes because, you know, lactic acid is set in. They're tired already. They're probably wondering why they're putting a fish tank full of water. And, uh, but much to my surprise, it's not what happened. They lasted 60 hours. So from 15 minutes to 60 hours. So that tells you the power of hope. And I want to read that again, the, the verse from Proverbs, but in a different version. Don't interfere with good people's lives. Don't try to get the best of them, no matter how many times you trip them up. God-loyal people don't stay down long. Soon, they're up on their feet. 
while the wicked end up flat on their faces. So hope, right? We as God-loyal people have hope, right? And in Hebrews 6.19, it says, We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. So we have this hope, right? And to me, okay, so I've never been big on Christian speak. Like, it drives me nuts whenever I'm like, I'm going through this, and this guy's like, you have this hope. I'm like, okay, awesome. What does that mean? (laughs) And I used to have this pastor, he would tell me, when you go through a hard time, you have to know that you know that you know. And I'm like, yes, what do I need to know? (laughs) So... (laughs) So we're going we're gonna to hit those. I've got a few things here that you have to know that you know that you know. Because we need a firm foundation to stand on. And we know that that firm foundation is Jesus. But what does that mean in a hard time? What do we reference? What do we have to know in our minds to know that everything is going to be okay? So that first one, I think, is know that God cares for you. Right? We all know that Jesus died for us. I think we would all say we would probably die for our kids. I think if we had a friend who was in danger, we would probably all step up, even if it meant that, you know, it may cost us our lives. Some of us on Memorial Day weekend, it's good to talk about, we uh, did, we signed on the line, right? But Jesus really did. And so that, that verse I always reference is 1 Peter Uh, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Oh, wow. Uh, The second one, I think, is know that God is for you. And that's a big deal. God is for you. That's Psalms 56, 9. Uh, Then my enemies will retreat on the day when I call. This I know, for God cares for me. That's a very confident statement, right? And then the next one, I really think this whole thing could have been on Isaiah 41.10. I have stood on this verse my whole life. It's uh, my whole Christian life. I tell my kids this all the time. It's Isaiah 41.10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my righteous right hand. God gives us everything there in that verse, right? And if you have all of those things, what else do you really need? And then the last one is know that God has given you all the tools. It's 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and goodness. So with that being said, we know all these tools. Now I've given you the tools that I use um, whenever hard times come about to help me get back up, right? That's what the original message was about, a God believer or a God loyal person getting back up, even though they're knocked down. One of the, uh, one of the, the big things is perseverance. And that's the power to get back up. And t- to be able to do that, I think you have to have a firm foundation and know what your hope is in. And that's these things I believe that we talked about. All right.
Hey guys, how are you all doing this morning? Great. All right. I'm going to be preaching about Proverbs and how you can receive wisdom from it. So Proverbs is a book all about what wisdom is. When I think of the word wisdom, I think wisdom is the ability to live life well and skillfully. Anyways, in the Bible, Solomon was the king of Israel who built the first temple in Jerusalem. Yeah, Jerusalem. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, where the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Basically, what this verse is trying to tell all of us is that all of our wisdom comes from God. The main lesson of Proverbs is God's justice and importance of wisdom and believing. I'm not the wisest person, neither am I the smartest person. Being wise, I'd say, is a really, really big gift from God. Not everyone may receive that gift. But Solomon was one of those guys that has received that gift. For he was the smartest man in the Bible. Wisdom teaches us how to honor and respect God more. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The Lord wants us to fear him because it shows discipline or instruction of wisdom to God. Some of you people may think, Parker, what does the fear of the Lord mean? Well, you could fear the Lord in many different situations, as if like getting judged on judgment day, if you're going to go to heaven or hell or not, or the first time you ever meet God. If one does not fear the Lord at first, he will never love God. Anyway, Solomon did not want to be the only one that had wisdom, so he wrote Proverbs so he could spread wisdom. The purpose of wisdom in the Bible is to give understanding to the living so that all of our lives won't be wasted and live for an eternal purpose. So we can all live how to learn life better. So here's what I'm about to give all, all you guys. I'm going to give you four simple steps on how to receive wisdom and grow into wisdom with God. Number one, know our Lord better. Whether it means talking to him, reading the Bible more, just praying with him. Those are all ways you can get to know God more. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 17 I love them that love me, and those that seek me early will find me. Isn't that amazing that we have a God that longs for a relationship? And when we seek him, we will all find him. When we seek God wisely, we will find God. Number two, read the Holy Scriptures and know the word of God. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. Every word of God proves true. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. I think this verse means we must find comfort in God or safety in him. Number three, be a God-fearing person, for it shows respect towards God. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 13. The fear of the Lord leads to life, then one resets, rests uh, content untouched by trouble. Number four. Ask faithfully for wisdom. Proverbs 3, verse 13, for, eh, chapter 13, verse 18. 
Through wisdom, you can get everything you want. It's all contained in. These are all four simple ways you can receive wisdom from God. Some of you people may think that your phone is more important. Some people think that social media is more important. You may not believe it, but these are all distractions. Distractions keep us from wisdom. Your kids may be distracted too. This year, this year they're all going through hell. Like, I see a lot of kids going through suicidal thoughts and committing suicide. They're just going through a lot of bad situations. These kids are lost. They don't have any wisdom. Now it's your parent, it's your guys' job to guide them. Now, I don't. All right. How do you follow that? Parker just preached everything in Proverbs in like five minutes. I'm pretty impressed. Uh, like, seriously, no following that up. But if you Google Proverbs, he got it completely right. All that's going to show up is Proverbs is a book of wisdom. That's all that Proverbs is about. In the first chapter of Proverbs, the first thing it says is wisdom is available for everyone. It says wisdom is crying out in the street, raising her voice in the square. She's crying out on the walls. The book of Proverbs tells us that wisdom is available for all of us. But wisdom is a lot different than being smart. We are not all called to be smart. We're not all going to go to Harvard, not all going to be doctors. I'm definitely not going to Harvard. Definitely not that smart. But we can all be wise. But that is a lot different than worldly wisdom. Because when I was younger, I thought that being wise meant common sense. And lucky for me, that's not the case. So when I was a kid, my uncle, Pastor Jason, loved to give me a hard time and always would ask me, Mariah, are you bright when I would do something that was not very common sense? So I would do something and he'd say, Mariah, are you bright? I didn't know what it meant. So that just added to his point. For example, when I was a kid, you can all make fun of him for this later because it was really mean. I broke my arm at my elbow and had a giant cast that like held my arm like this. He would try to convince me to like touch my nose, but my arm was stuck way out here. And I would try forever because I just didn't have the common sense to realize my arm was not going to touch my nose. So clearly not a lot of common sense here, but luckily for me, I can have godly wisdom. Proverbs chapter two says, my son, if you accept my words and store my commands within you, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. The Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright and he is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. He guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. So, how do you get wisdom? It's pretty simple. This verse lays it out directly for us. Parker laid it out directly for us. You seek God. You pursue him above all else. And we're not seeking him to get the wisdom. That's just a result of what happens when we seek God first. His ways are so much higher than ours. And it sometimes doesn't make sense to us. 
when you're pursuing what God has for your life, some people are going to think you're absolutely crazy. They're going to think that is not a wise decision, but that's not what Proverbs is teaching us about. It's not teaching us what worldly wisdom is. It's teaching us what godly wisdom is. Our vision for our life is so different from God's vision for our life because we are always thinking, okay, how am I going to make enough, enough money to pay my taxes? How am I going to make enough money to buy my kid a car? How am I going to make enough money to pay for my own student loans? How am I going to get through this? But God's vision is about eternity. He is always thinking steps and steps and steps further than us. And when we get in line with his path, we are going to go so much further than we could ever go on our own. So if you're like me, you're like, okay, I want God's wisdom, but that's pretty hard. I just want to like, I want to know what's next. I want to know where I'm going. What am I supposed to do now? So if you want to follow God's path, get in line with his wisdom. You have to follow his vision and get on his side. It's simple, but it's something you have to actually want. But how do you do that? Just like Proverbs said, you have to know his word, know his commands. That's what the first part of this verse says. It says, my son, accept my words and store up my commands within you. Then you will find knowledge. So you get in the word. Jesus in the New Testament tells us that we need to know his voice. Our sheep, his sheep follow his commands. When you follow his commands, then you know what's next. But that doesn't always help you make the decision about what job to take, what school to go to. If you're going to be a senior and you need to decide what college you're going to, if you're trying to decide if it's time to have kids, you have to read the word so you learn to recognize God's voice so you can understand the wisdom to make the decisions in your own life. So you follow the path of the Lord and it may not seem like earthly wisdom, but in his plan for your life, there's more blessing, more protection, more power, more joy than you will ever find on your own. If you keep reading in Proverbs, you get to chapter 16 and I'll close with this verse. It says, to humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are ways weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Hi, guys. So I was a kindergartner once, right, like many of you. And I was a very interesting kindergartner, though. I wanted to be somebody else entirely. So I created this person named Alan. <laughs> so much so that this first day of kindergarten, my teacher walked up to me and was like, what's your name, honey? I was like, in my best Batman voice, the straightest face ever, just, I'm Batman. No, I didn't say that. I said, I'm Alan. I don't know why, but that's the path I wanted to take at the time. I wanted to reject my birth name of Joseph and just go by Alan. Hey, it is what it is. But like Proverbs 16.1 says, we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives us the right answer. That was my path at the time was Alan. So as a kid, I get asked one question a lot. What do you want to be when you grow up? Now, for all my 16 years in life, I've wanted to be many different things. I've wanted to be 
a superstar athlete, a singer, an accountant for whatever reason. But in fifth grade, I was really good at math. So I was like, I can be an accountant. And I had just seen this movie called The Accountant. So I was like, I can be good at math, which at the time I liked. I can be rich and I can be a part-time assassin. <laughs> what more could a 12-year-old want at that time? Honestly, nothing. But that doesn't really sound like me, but hey, whatever happens, happens, you know? So as of lately, I've really wanted to be a teacher with my life. That's what I've wanted to do. But the biggest spokesperson for this has been my mother. She has told me that teaching could also be ministry because ministry is teaching people about God. So I was like, I could be a minister teacher person. That's what I want to do. And I've also had other people tell me this. Like my dad has told me, Pastor Chad, Pastor Dez, different people have told me. But I remember one conversation very specifically that I had with my mom about going to college, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to go to college. And she told me, have you ever considered going to like Evangel or C of O, one of the Christian schools, because they'll influence you very greatly in your ministry and just they'll positively influence you in your walk with Christ, whereas some of those other universities might not. So I remember one thing she said at the very end of that very vividly. She said, just think about it. And I did. I thought about it. That night I prayed about it. When I prayed about it, I asked God, is this really what you want me to do? Where do you want me to go to college? What's up? So then I didn't get an answer that night or the next or the next. But three nights later, I got a dream just randomly. I was just standing there and there was this teenage kid. He just looked at me and said, what are you waiting for? So I took that as a sign from God that I should really, really start thinking about this one. So I'm here to give you three steps of how you can find out what the Lord's plan for your life is. Number one, look for it. What do you think it might be? For me, it was all these people telling me, hey, have you ever considered doing ministry? For you, it might quite literally be a billboard on the side of the street saying, have you ever considered Bible camp? You might find you like to teach little kids about Jesus and throw water balloons at them. You never know, but it can be anything. And you could at least just pray about it, which is the second step. Just pray about it. Ask him, Lord, what do you want me to do? Is this really something you want me to consider? What steps can I take to do this? How can I achieve it? And the third one is wait for it. Wait for the answer. It could be a day, a month, three months, 15 years. You never know when the answer will come. He will give you the answer when he knows you are ready to take it on. Thank you. Wisdom is the ability to determine the good from the bad, the right from the wrong, and the application from the information. Isn't that what we all want? When faced with trials, struggles, temptations, when we face the unknown, we want wisdom. We crave wisdom in our relationships, our finances, our jobs, 
This wisdom is found in God's word. The scriptures contain his covenant with us and his promises to us. But there are premises that precede the promises. God will provide us with wisdom in the process as we make the right choices. The purpose of the book of Proverbs is to guide us in our everyday conduct. In order to understand the wisdom the Lord wants to give us, we must look inward. It comes down to being heart smart. The heart is mentioned over 800 times in the Bible and 70 times in Proverbs alone. In scripture, the heart refers to the center of our being, our emotions, our feelings, our moods. Proverbs 4, 23 through 27 reveals the potential within our hearts. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the past for your feet. Be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. So here are three ways we can be heart smart in order to attain godly wisdom. First, wisdom requires changes. The Proverbs teach us a life of wisdom requires change. Our scripture shows the progression of our choices in life. Our choices start in our hearts, move to our thoughts, come out in our words, and then lead to our actions. As Jesus taught in Matthew 12, 34, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. It starts with inward expressions that lead to outward expressions. Many times when life hasn't gone well, we ask ourselves, how did I get here? It may have occurred over a slow timeline of months or in a matter of minutes. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So take captive every thought as the apostle Paul taught. What are you allowing the enemy to speak into your mind? You have the power over your thoughts. Meditate on scripture. Are your words full of life? or empty of life. Keep watch over your eyes. Do your eyes wander or are they focused on our Lord? Pay attention to the direction your feet are moving. Are your choices made rashly or cautiously? Second, wisdom resolves challenges. We all face trials, tribulations, struggles, whether it's relationships, finances, career choices, or thoughts. The enemy challenges us in these areas to take advantage of our weaknesses. He'll tell you lies that sound true in the moment and create doubts such as, I'm not enough. I always mess up. This isn't going to work out. Listening to those lies leads to worst case scenarios. As you seek godly wisdom, you see the enemy is on high alert. And he'll do what he can to interrupt you, to interfere you, and to impede you. And that's when we need to realize and put our foot down and say, the enemy has no power over our lives, and we need to replace the devil's lies with our God's truth. 
A story is told of a little boy who helped his father move a heavy desk. The father and son pushed the desk together through the house. The little boy told his dad, 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 you're in my way. Let me do it. So the father let go and stood back, but the desk didn't budge a bit. Even though the little boy was pushing as hard as he could. And that's the way it works with our heavenly father. When we try to do it on our own, he stands back and he says, the desk moved when you allowed me to help. Too often, we want God to remove our challenges when he'd rather change our character with his wisdom. Don't look at the size of the mountain that you're facing. Look to the mountain mover. Third, wisdom reflects choices. Choices lead, feelings follow. We can't allow our lives to be controlled by our feelings, emotions, or thoughts. God gave us a mind and a free will with which to make choices. We have the power of choice to take control of what overflows from our hearts, what comes out of our mouths, where our eyes look, and which actions we take. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you allow circumstances to impact you. Surrender your hearts, words, eyes, thoughts, and actions to our Lord and Savior. Obedience is your responsibility. The outcome is our God's. And he can do so much more with your surrender than your control. Another way of stating Proverbs 4, 23 through 27 is, guard your heart for it determines the course of your life and shapes your thoughts and words. What you think is usually what you say. What you say and do impacts your life's direction. Your heart is the truest expression of who you really are. In Matthew 15, 19, Jesus told his disciples, what comes out of your mouth reveals the core of your heart. The good news is as a believer, you have the Holy Spirit to empower you in this endeavor. It said Edison, who invented the electric light bulb, failed many times before making his discoveries. One night he told his wife that he just finished the 10,000th experiment. Did it work, she asked. Nope, he answered. Aren't you discouraged, she asked. Discouraged? No. We now know 10,000 ways that won't work. And he was that much closer to finding the solution. Previous failures to guard your hearts, your words, your eyes, your feet, need not prevent you from access to God's word and wisdom. Remember the premises before the promises and you will be heart smart. All right, before I start, I'm gonna pray real quick so I can Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this chance to actually get to speak, Lord. Lord, I pray that your words come out of my mouth and that any, or you just give me bold and confidence, Lord, and they let ears hear what they need to hear, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. When I heard what we were doing today's sermon over Proverbs, I was really excited. Proverbs is probably one of my favorite books in the Bible. There are so many uh, so much sound wisdom and advice for even the littlest kid in the room, like my son Jeremiah, all the way to the oldest person in the room, Pastor Donnie. <laughs> all kidding aside, the, if you read Proverbs every day, you can grow spiritually, financially, mentally, and even, uh, even physically. Uh, 
there's but remember proverbs is not all there is principles not promises so proverbs can keep you from many heartbreaks it can keep you from going down the wrong path in life it can give you or it can help you find the perfect wife or husband or it can keep you from going to the wrong people but for any of this to work you have to put it into action this is why i've i've picked what proverbs has to say on laziness Laziness is, is, or sluggard is mentioned 14 different times in Proverbs. If you look through the rest of the Bible, there are countless many scriptures that you could go over. You could spend days reading them. I've never thought of myself as a lazy person, but there is so much more than just being a physical or a hard worker. Um, like I said, there's countless scriptures I could go over today, but I have chosen three to focus on. I believe these can be used in our walk in Christ, our everyday relationships, and the way we serve God. Proverbs 18.9 says, A lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. Now when I heard this, it punched me right in the gut. I believe this one can pertain to our relationships. We've, we have to always be working on growing our relationships with Christ and others. We can't, we can't just go through the motions. We have to truly give God, our wives, our husbands, our children, and others the full amount of time and effort they should, we should. It's easy to make excuses saying, well, I go to church, or I work hard for my family, or at least I'm home every night. But if we're just doing the bare minimum, we could be causing a lot more damage than we think. We have to become more diligent with our time. We don't just go to church on Sundays. Start reading your Bible every day. Start worshiping and praising God throughout the week. Be the example of Christ for your family and for others. Husbands and wives, don't think just because you're not divorced or you're not fighting every night that you don't have to work on your marriage. The, keep trying to fill each other's cup and learn what, what either, each person needs. Don't, or spend time with your kids. Ask them the hard questions. Learn their interests and actually be active in their lives. It is not time to be idle anymore, church. Like Pastor Steve and Chad have said, that time has passed. Now the second verse I've chosen is Proverbs 24, 30 through 34. I walked by the field of a lazy person. The vineyard was covered with weeds and the walls were broken down. Then I looked and thought, and I learned this lesson. A little extra sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands to rest, and poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. There are so many different ways we could look at these verses. They could be applied to our church or our job field. But the word God has shown me through this is procrastination. Now, if you ask my wife, I'm a horrible procrastinator. But I like to say that if I wait a little, wait till the very last minute, I'll be older, therefore wiser. But in reality, procrastination is just as bad as being lazy. I, we, we have to stop putting off things, saying we'll get them done tomorrow, or I'll get in shape after the holidays, or I'll serve church next month, or maybe we can go on a date next weekend. We have to stay alert. No more excuses. If it can be done today or it should be done, then let's do it. I'm not saying this just for you guys, and please hear me. I'm not saying we need to always be on the go or to never rest, because resting and taking a Sabbath is a very vital point in having a healthy and godly life. Um, 
but the harder, the longer we wait, the harder it usually becomes to actually do the thing. I know for me, I lose motivation and desire pretty quickly. Like the verse says, the weeds had covered the land and the walls had broken down the ta- broken down. So the task or situation that could have easily been done in the first place has now became more difficult to correct or repair. Um, we have to be bold in who we are in Christ and quit procrastinating. Let, let's step out in faith and work hard every day in every aspect of our lives. Now, my third point, which was actually the verse that I was going to speak on solely, was Proverbs twenty-two thirteen, which says, A lazy person claims there's a lion outside. If I go outside, I might be killed. Now, my whole life when I've read this verse, I've always thought that he was living in fear or scared of the what ifs and allowing the fear to keep him idle. But this month, as I started to prepare for this, I've realized the lazy person was not wrong. There is a lion out there and he wants to destroy you. Whenever you become, when you, whenever you decide to not be idle and to sit on the sidelines, the devil is going to come after you. The lion is going to try to attack your family. He's going to try to attack your marriage. He's going to come after your kids. He's going to mess with your mind telling you you're not good enough or you're not, you shouldn't be up there. You shouldn't do what you're doing. But you know what? Even though he is correct, the lion is real. The enemy is real. Our flesh is real. But you know what? God, Jesus Christ is also real. We can't allow the, the enemy of fear to cause us to be idle anymore. Uh, we have to work on our, we have to press in harder. We have to work on our marriage harder. We have to serve others in the church like we've never done before. I'm tired of being lazy and I can, I'm ready to do all I can for Jesus and my family. And if that comes with attacks from the enemy, so be it. We're still going to press forward, never growing stagnant, never cowering down to the lions in our lives. God is on our side and with us through every trial and tribulation. We have no excuse to be lazy anymore, church. Let's be the men and women God has called us to be. Amen. Well, I'm going to be closing us out this morning, so... Hopefully you guys are still dialed in and listening. We're getting ready to close service, but I'm super proud, especially of Parker and Joseph as I got the chance to shepherd them for a short while. It's just so exciting seeing youth students be able to cultivate their gifts and honestly share the word of God on a platform to people older than them in different seasons of life. So it's, again, I can't, I couldn't be more proud. That's something that I hold of high value. Um, When I was listening to all the speakers, something I noticed is it was so much wisdom, so much impactful stuff that I can just physically grab. I want to do something with this. I want to do every little piece of word that was spoken. I want to do something with that. There's some power to that. And when I was reading over Proverbs and just understanding, Lord, what do you want me to share? I thought in our American culture, in our American context, our everyday lives, I found when I'm reading this, this can be a very dangerous book of the Bible. You're like, how can this be dangerous? The Bible is good. Like in our American context in Christianity, we're very different than the rest of the world. And why can it be so dangerous? And here's something that I really want you to think about. When we read Proverbs with Christian ethic, the what, but without the Christian conviction, it can seem like a pursuit of the American dream. Let me say that again. When we read Proverbs 
with the Christian ethic, but with no Christian conviction, it looks like the pursuit of the American dream. And no knock on the American dream. It has done so many great things for us. But I believe there's so much more than that that God's called us to. And when I saw all of these individuals speak on Proverbs, that wisdom, I'm like, there's got to be more than just advice to make my life better. What is more in the Proverbs that's going to do more than just make me feel better about my actions and get better outcomes? And so when I say that again, um, I want to see, like, if we read Proverbs with just Christian ethic, the what without the why, the convictions, the why, the Holy Spirit directing us. Let's look at it. Proverbs 12, verse 11. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. What does that look like? Hard work will make you successful. How many times have we heard that? Look, Proverbs 14.30, a tranquil heart will give life to the flesh, but envy makes the bone rot. Self-care, work on yourself. You need peace in your life or you're not going to feel good. Look at it, Proverbs 31.10, an excellent wife, who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. Happy marriage, build a family, you'll be housed. Build a house, you'll feel good. Man, that's the Bible. And I hear all those things in the secular world all the time. I mean, there's New York bestsellers that talk about that, how to make your life better. So what is the difference between us just reading those Proverbs and us reading the actual Bible? Where's that conviction in us that kind of separates the two to bring more out of it? What happens? Where is that found? And that's what I kind of wanted to figure out and was praying to God and reading. What's the difference? Because I hear that all the time. And that's what we are encouraged to do in our world. There's got to be something more with this wisdom that was shared today. And I believe that when we read Proverbs, we have to look at through the lens of who God is and who God, what God says about us. When we read Proverbs, we have to look at Proverbs through the lens of who God is, seeing him rightly and what he says about us and what he's called us to do. I think Parker talked about it, Solomon. He, is, he held wisdom very highly. He thought wisdom was super important. He says he was the wisest man in the Bible. Very important. Why did he say that? Because there was something significant about wisdom when we were reading Proverbs and living out our life. There's one commentator that refers to wisdom and how we see things. Because wisdom, ultimately, godly wisdom is how we see God and how we see things. And one theologian comments on godly wisdom and says, if we had a clear, consistent, certain God regarding insight into things as they are, we should lack little. When we have godly wisdom, and that's kind of the main thing that we've learned today. When we have godly wisdom, we can see God rightly for who he is and what he's told about us, what he says about us. And what does that mean? Okay, I know who God is and I know what he says about me. When we have that godly wisdom, wisdom I think is so significant because when we see that, we lack little. When we see God ultimately for the amazing father, the amazing holy sovereign God for who he is, wow, that's all I need. What he's called me to do, he's called me to lay down my life, to surrender it all, to follow him with all my life. Man, that's wisdom because I don't need anything else. I, I have a clear understanding for the way things are, that this world is ultimately going to fade away and I don't need anything in it. That's why wisdom is significant. It puts the priorities straight because we see God for who he is. So I'm going to close today. When we have godly wisdom, we see God for who he is. And that's the 
significance of Proverbs, I believe, because we go through these mundane things and we're like, what's the purpose in it? But when we have godly wisdom, we don't see it as just a day-to-day task, but we ultimately see it that we have died to ourselves and our lives are forever changed. And we'd be called for one mission, not multiple missions, one mission, and that's to live a holy life and make disciples. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me slash give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.